Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, thank you for joining me uh, today. And uh, before we get started, I just want to update you on a couple things uh, as it relates to Compass and COVID-19 and our plans moving forward. The good news is that in the state of Illinois, we have moved to a place where we are in phase four. Now, phase four means that people can meet in groups of 50 or less that restaurants are opening up, uh, businesses are opening up, and it really is a good sign, the, the, the progress that's happening in our state. Now, that being said, there are still some complications uh, as it relates to gathering in person. Just last week in Muhammad, uh, we found out that there was an outbreak of COVID not 40 minutes away from here, and it started because uh, a group of about 40 high school students had an unofficial prom at somebody's house. As a result, uh, COVID spread. Uh, at last count, there are about 10 people who were there who had COVID. And as a result of that outbreak that happened just 40 minutes away, the, the school activities that were open, including driver's ed, some of their sporting activities, they had to shut those down again. There were businesses that had to close temporarily because they had people who worked there who were connected to this outbreak. And my point is, is that is that even though things are opening up in the state of Illinois, the virus is still around and it doesn't just impact the health of the few people who get infected. It has ripple effects into the health, the economy, and, and the well-being of our community. And so as a result of a lot of prayer and consultation with our leadership, um, we've decided to take a very cautious and conservative approach to starting in-person services. And it's based on a lot of things. Um, for example, uh, the uncertainty of getting volunteers who are willing to serve on a Sunday morning uh, is a big deal. There's just not very many people who are willing to say, yeah, I will serve, I'll get involved. And Sunday mornings are complicated as, as, it, as it is because there are a lot of moving pieces to make a Sunday morning service happens, happen. Uh, that being said, we still believe that there's an opportunity for us to find ways to gather in person and worship together. And so just because we aren't ready to begin meeting every Sunday and that we're gonna take a little bit of a wait and see approach to see what happens um, as other churches and businesses open up, um, it doesn't mean we don't value the opportunity of getting together right now. And that's why on July 7th, we are going to have our first Tuesday prayer and worship night here in person at the church. And so very excited about that. And I wanna tell you what that looks like. There's a couple plans as it relates to this. Plan A is this, is that we will have our prayer and worship service outside uh, in the big field next to the building. And so as we do that, we can social distance, uh, we can still worship together and we can still have people gather, but we can do it in as safe a way as we possibly can by meeting outside. Now, if there is rain or inclement weather, I don't wanna cancel anything again. So plan B is this. Plan B is if there's bad weather is that we will send out a link to a, a reservation where you can click on and reserve your spot to come and be part of our first Tuesday prayer meeting so that we can limit attendance to that to 50 or less. And we will have the, the prayer and worship night in our building. So it'll have to be 50 people or less. Uh, when you are in our building, if that happens, you will have to wear a mask at all times. We will enforce um, social distancing as well. And, and also for whether we're inside or outside, we, we won't be providing any sort of additional childcare. Again, we really, we care about your health. We care about our community and we wanna make sure that we're doing everything as safely and, and as wise as we possibly can. 
Now, I know that it can be difficult to watch as other churches are opening up and businesses are opening up around us, but just please know that we are doing our best to follow the science and to make the wise choice, and most importantly, to position ourselves in such a way that uh, the waiting world outside of our church doors who don't know Jesus can look at how we respond to this and see the grace and love of Christ so that when this is all over, uh, we have an opportunity to speak into their lives. That's really crucially important to us. Because, I mean, God's doing a work in our church through all of this, and this will pass. So hold on with me while you can. Stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to your church through social media, through services like this, through online groups. Stay connected. Uh, but just know this, that God is doing something in us and through us. We just have to hold on. So first Tuesday, July 7th, mark your calendar for that. I really am um, pretty excited to worship with you and see you in person. Now, my daughter, Trinity, she is taking driver's ed right now, and she's finished her, her, uh, her class portion, and now she's doing behind the wheel. And she had her very first behind the wheel training session with one of the instructors just a couple of weeks ago. And when we went to pick her up, we could tell immediately that it had not gone well. And in fact, uh, Terry went in with her and was just setting up additional dates to, to schedule for in-person driving. And she could tell Trinity was holding back tears. that She was really upset. And so when we could finally talk to Trinity and ask her what had happened, she told us this. She said she was driving, but that the instructor was really harsh and, and, he, and, and abrupt with her. And, and he kept kind of yelling at her and talking to her in a way that made her feel stupid and made her feel like she wasn't doing a good job and that she was failing and, and, and that he didn't care. And so as a result of how he was talking to her, she really felt, I mean, for her, she felt judged. And she felt like just the way he was, he was dealing with her, that she felt accused of being a bad driver. And, and his approach in communicating to her, it left her in tears. And, and really, it, it caused us to ask for a different instructor because we want to set our daughter up for as much success as possible. But just because of his approach, just because of his demeanor and the way he spoke to her in that setting, even though he was probably right about things that she was maybe doing wrong driving, it was literally her first time with him. He was probably right, but his approach left her feeling really hurt, really judged, and really accused of being a bad driver. Now, you know what this feels like because we've all lived it. We've all experienced this. You've experienced at work or at school or at home, you know, someone corrected you or they took an opposing viewpoint from you and you felt, you felt accused. You felt accused of being a bad employee, a bad teammate, a bad parent, a bad daughter, a bad leader, uh, you know, a bad student, on and on and on. Because it felt like a personal attack. From some specific examples, you felt it when you were out in public and you didn't have a mask on and someone gave you just the dirtiest look possible. Or you felt it when you were in a situation where you had to ask someone to wear a mask or you had to ask someone to social distance and things immediately got really weird. Uh, maybe you felt it when uh, you were asked why, someone asked you why you haven't posted anything about Black, Li Black Lives Matters on your socials. Why, why haven't you said anything about that? Or maybe you felt it when you're looking at other people's social media feeds and, and their accounts and you're seeing their perfect homes, their perfect marriage, their perfect smiles, perfect kids. You see their perfect lives on social media and, and in comparison to your life, you feel like a failure and you feel judged as a failure as a result. You felt this accusation when somebody says, okay, boomer, or someone makes a joke about millennials. You feel it when you feel judged 
on your age or on your youth or on your gender or on your skin color or on your bank balance or on your religious beliefs. You've probably felt this in church. Uh, some feel accused of, of not living up to or not agreeing with you know, every letter of every command in scripture and they feel judged and accused based on that. And you may be on the other side, maybe you have felt accused of not loving others in your attempts to honor every command of scripture. The point is, is that each and every single one of us have felt accused in some sort of relationship with somebody else, judged on something we've said or done or thought. And this is a big deal because when we feel accused, we get defensive. When we get defensive, our fists go up. When our fists go up, relationships break. And it's a big deal because relationships matter to God. Unity and harmony matter to God. Like we talked about last week, it's more important to him that we be reconciled with each other than that we be right in our positions and what we think and in what we believe. Being reconciled with people matters more to him than that we are correct or right. And, and being proactive in making things right with other people matters to God, even when we might not be wrong. And it also starts with, with the humility to search our hearts, honestly acknowledging that maybe we aren't right all the time. And, and just having the humility to say in any given relationship, whenever I feel accused, maybe there's something to it. And knowing that that's okay, because Jesus, his intention for our lives is not to judge us. His intention is just to correct our course. And that maybe there's times where he might be using that feeling of accusation to correct our path somewhat. Now, I believe that right now we are in a time with what's happening in the world where every opposing idea presents as an accusation that I'm wrong. It feels personal. It feels personal when someone disagrees with me about COVID or how to deal with it. It feels personal when someone has an opposing viewpoint than me on the Black Lives Matter movement or how best to respond to what's happening in our nation. It feels personal uh, when, when I support police and there are others who don't. It, it, these things feel personal. And so I wanna ask the question, how do we respond in a different way? I mean, that's what this message series Accused has been all about. How can we respond in a different way? How do we respond in a way that strengthens relationships rather than dividing them? How do we respond in a way that helps us to grow and to have better outcomes in life for ourselves, our families, and others, rather than the occasional punches that we may try to land, you know, in our regular stream of defensive battles that just keep happening over and over again? And this isn't just a, a philosophical question, right? This is, this is, a need to know question. We need to know what to do. How do we actually tangibly respond when we feel accused in these circumstances and situations? Now, Jesus gives us some really specific guidance in Matthew chapter five, and we've been working through that. And we're gonna pick up uh, in this section of what's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five, verse 38. And Jesus says this, <clears throat> He says, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now you've maybe heard that before, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I hurt you. This is how the world works. This is the way of the world. The normal inclination uh, when we feel attacked, when we feel under threat is to dig in and go to your separate corner, right? Because it's a lot easier to be mad at someone. It's a lot easier to, to, be, to be angry and to, be, and to create distance between us and another person when we feel judged or a person who's accusing us than it is to feel hurting and upset. 
Anger somehow feels better than feeling hurt. And so we do what most people do when we feel attacked and we get defensive and we take up a fighting stance, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Perfect example. Have you ever had someone tell you that you have bad breath? There have been a couple times in my life where someone told me I have bad breath. It's pretty rare because I'm fairly perfect uh, when it comes to oral hygiene, uh, but it's happened. And the couple times that someone has told me I have bad breath, I literally want the earth to open up and just swallow them whole. I don't know why it just makes me so, why does it make me so angry and irritated that someone is just, hey, I'm just pointing out the fact that the food you ate an hour ago might still be smelling up your mouth. But, but my response is, is to do the opposite. In fact, like when someone tells me I have bad, have bad breath, I wanna be like, well, you know what, yesterday, you had bad breath and your breath smelled like you were stinking kissing a toilet, right? And it's not just bad breath, you know? It's like, oh, you think I load the dishwasher wrong? Well, guess what? You never put the toilet seat down. And you know what? You never replaced the toilet paper on the roll, so I'm never gonna replace the toilet paper on a roll because an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I feel judged, and so now I'm gonna judge you. You judge me. I judge you. That is the normal way of the world. That's how the world works. And then Jesus, and that's what he, Jesus is saying that. This is how the world is. But then Jesus says this in verse 39. He says, but I say, this is what the world says, but I say, don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Jesus is saying that may be how the world works, but my followers will do things differently. My followers will respond and live differently. Now, this is a revolutionary statement that Jesus is making because this goes against all cultural custom. It goes against our cultural custom now. And, and this, was a, uh, this was a Jewish religious cultural custom as well. And Jesus continues to elaborate on this. He says this, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. What's interesting about each of these examples is that when we put ourselves in the story, uh, each of these examples is somebody genuinely really being wronged. Each of these examples is unfair towards the person they're happen happening to, right? It's a person who's feeling attacked. You know, being sued it feels like being attacked, be, especially being wrongfully sued. That feels wrong. And in the first century, uh, Roman soldiers, I mean, Rome occupied much of the known world at the time. And if a Roman soldier demanded that you do something, you did it. They had the authority to pretty much ask you to do whatever you wanted to do. We see this again in the Gospels when Jesus is carrying his cross to his crucifixion and he stumbles because he's having a hard time carrying it and he can't carry it anymore because he's been tortured and beaten. And what do the Roman soldiers do? They just grab someone out of the crowd and say, you, carry that cross. Because Roman soldiers could do that. And so if they're carrying their pack and they saw you on the road and you're walking the other direction, they could stop you and say, hey, put my backpack on and you got to carry this for a mile with me. So, I mean, literally, they could force, you could be forced to do something by a representative of a government that infringes on your personal freedom. And that's, a, that's an example that Jesus gives. He gives the example of a representative of the government forcing you to do something that you feel infringes on your freedom. And Jesus even says the words, like, to, to frame this, okay? Jesus said, don't resist an evil person. 
right? He's even given the implication that these things that are happening to you, that they're wrong, that the people who are doing these things, they may, they're not only just wrong, but they might even be evil. Siri, I'm not talking to you right now. But even when these things happen, even when, when we are wronged, even when we're being wronged by someone who's, who is evil, Jesus says this, that his expectation is that his followers will put the good of others first, even when it may cut against our own good, even when it may cut against our own values, even when it may cost us. It's more important to God that we love our neighbor than anything else, anything else. And so when we're wronged, we can, we can fight against that. When we feel accused, when we feel judged, when we feel challenged, we can fight against that and we can be right maybe. It might be an evil person who's accusing us and we can fight against them and we, and we can be right. Or we can walk into being wronged so that everyone involved can be made right. There's a distinction there. You can be right. You can stand on the principle that you, that you know is correct or you can step toward relationship where everyone involved can be made right, can be reconciled to each other and to God. Because here's the thing, everyone can be made right when we are willing to be wronged. Everyone can be made right when we are willing to be wronged. And, and how does that work? Why does that work? Because it opens up relationships to be made whole to be reconciled and to be grounded in God's love. When we're willing to feel accused, when we're willing to feel wronged, when we're willing to have our rights infringed on a little bit, it opens up opportunity for God and his love to move in relationships. And, and followers of Jesus will do what Jesus did. And Jesus isn't asking us to do something that he wasn't willing to do. Look at what Peter, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, wrote about him and about us. He says this in 2 Peter chapter 2. He says, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He was never wrong, but he didn't retaliate when he was insulted. And he didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. Ask yourself this, do you run away from people who make you feel accused? Do you retaliate when you feel attacked? Do you retaliate when you feel insulted? Do you get defensive and go on the attack yourself against the people who you feel are accusing you? Maybe, maybe your way of retaliating isn't to draw your sword and start swinging it. Maybe your way of retaliating isn't to go on the offensive, but just to cut a person out of your life completely. Jesus is asking you and he's asking me to follow in his steps, to endure relational and relationship suffering for the cause of reconciliation, to endure to endure things in relationships that may be hurt, that may be feel like accusations, that may be wrong, but to endure those things for the cause of, being, of reconciliation happening. Reconciliation between us and God and reconciliation between us 
and each other, us and others. So how do we live this out? How do we go the extra mile for someone else in our lives? Maybe you need to stop and listen and just hear what someone is really feeling and going through rather than taking their experience or their belief or their differing opinion as a personal attack on you. Maybe sometimes, this is me, I, if I'm ever having a one-on-one conversation with you, I'm gonna tell you a dialogue that's happening in my mind. And it's this, I'm telling myself, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Because I wanna talk, I wanna say my opinion, I wanna counter, I wanna say what, I, what, what my belief is. Sometimes we just need to shut up and let someone else speak and hear what they're going through and hear what they feel, even if it differs from our experience. Maybe there's someone in your life uh, who you know who hasn't been living up to God's standards and, and your response to them has, has been one of judgment and of, and, and of punishment and, and discipline and correction. And when you look at this area of life where they maybe aren't living up to God's standard, you want to see them disciplined and corrected and perhaps you need to go the extra mile in love. And perhaps for you, you need to, to walk a mile in their shoes Maybe you just need to, to just call them up. Ask how they're doing. Ask them how you can help. Maybe instead of going on the offensive, you need to take some time and, and pray for them. And really just, just put them in your heart. Pray for their good rather than for God's discipline in their lives. I mean, let's just break it down. Maybe you need to wear a face mask for someone else. Maybe you need to be willing to hear the overwhelming experiences of people of color and try to walk a mile in their shoes rather than, than defending your own experience, which is different from their experience. Maybe you need to see the people in your life, not for what they think, not for how they live, not for what they do or for what they say, but for who they are in the eyes of God. Because that person is one of God's precious children. And you and I, we have been called to share Jesus with them, to bring reconciliation and, and, and unity and peace, to share those things with them the way that Jesus did with us. And as we live like Jesus lived, and as we do what Jesus did, we will love like Jesus loved. And we will also experience for ourselves the joy that Jesus experienced in living the life that his father had called him to, in living the life of Christ. And I'm asking you today, will you walk into being wronged so that everyone, including you, can be made right? Are you willing to embrace what's being said, what feels like criticism, what feels like accusation? Are you willing to take that on without defensiveness in order that you can be made more right with God, in order that they can be made more right with God, and in order that we can be made right and reconciled to each other? Because that's exactly what Jesus is calling us and asking us to do. Father, I thank you that you've laid out a path for us to live that even though it may be challenging to us, God, it may be challenging to our preconceptions, it may be challenging to our own personal experiences, and yet it totally lines up with, with the vision of the kingdom of God that you have for this world. A kingdom of diversity of thought, 
diversity of experience, diversity of background. God, all people coming together under the banner of Jesus. And that only happens when we are willing, each and every single one of us, to be reconciled one to another, to seek unity, to seek peace, to seek common ground under the cross. So I pray that you would help me, Lord, to live this out. Help me to turn the other cheek. Help me to walk the extra mile. Help me to listen to those who are asking for help and to be willing to do just that, even when my experience feels like they're attacking me. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, you transform our families, transform our communities, and you would transform our world. We surrender ourselves to you, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. Compass.